Good morning, everybody. Good morning from my side. Um, it's wonderful, 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 wonderful. <laughs> to be at church this morning. If you are visiting us, um, I couldn't see your face this morning, but welcome. And we really hope that you experience spiritual family in a significant way, but also that you really experience God in a in a greater and a significant way. That is really our prayer. And so my name is Eugene, for those who are visiting us. I'm one of the elders here at the church. Um, been serving as an elder for quite some time here. Um, Donny, this morning, we commanded him and said, you shall not come to church. Um, and so we, we, <laughs> we gave him off. He didn't, want, we, he didn't want to listen, but we made him. Anyway, so um, he's resting a little bit, um, but it's a joy to be here this morning. Just to get this out the way, um, I'm not following in the footsteps of Tuabi Louis. I'm not doing that, okay? And Garlinda, okay? So I think we are done now, all right? I really thought that we were done, to be honest with you, and I was really ready to be done. And then God spoke to us very clearly. And so what can you do, man? Um, anyway, so we are really thankful. And um, we've, we've uh, yeah, we're thankful. Um, as God has added more, more to us in number. He said, be fruitful, multiply, make disciples of all nations. Okay. We're doing our part, I think. <laughs> what are you doing? Okay. Okay, 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 okay. <laughs> I just had to get it out of the way, sorry. <laughs> we are... Come on, Rudo, I'm going to focus. We are, um, obviously it's Christmas, uh, it's the holidays, the Christmas season, and uh, we're jumping into a new series, a Christmas series, um, and this series is called um, Unwrapping the Present. And the heart of this series is really to, de to de develop a deeper understanding um, of God's goodness and also the transformative power of the gospel and, and how we live this out and how we live our faith out genuinely, we'll be also focusing on, um, you know, some reflection and being grateful and in exploring our life as Christians by faith in, in this specific season. So um, just brief topics over the next week, it's, you'll see it on the screen. Um, unwrapping 2023 is this morning. Unwrapping the goodness of God, week two. Unwrapping the gospel week three over Christmas and then living, living unwrapped. And we will jump into all those, uh, all those topics. And so this morning, um, uh, the, the theme, well, the topic is called Unwrapping 2023. But if I had to rename it this morning, I would call my sermon Remember. Remember. And we'll be preaching from Joshua chapter four. And so um, before we jump into the scripture, let me, let me pray for us. And then um, we can jump into the word. Father, thank you this morning for your word. I pray that you will speak to our hearts this morning, that you would show who you are this morning. And Lord, that, that uh, who you are would be magnified within us. In faith in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So before we jump into Joshua chapter 4, just a brief context, some of you might know, but let me paint the picture. So we all know that Maybe not all, but some of us might know that, that Israel, they were oppressed by the Egyptians, by Pharaoh. They grew to be a great nation. 
uh, 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 Pharaoh was like, these guys are going to be too powerful and, and they were oppressed. God used Moses to deliver the Israelites. They go through the Red Sea, God parts it, and they're into the desert, right? In the desert, God does all these amazing things. He feeds them. Uh, their clothes doesn't wear out. Their shoes doesn't wear out. There's fresh water from rocks. I mean, these, all these amazing miracles these Israelites witness. And the amazing thing is, it was an 11-day journey from where they parted into the, uh, uh, the Negev, into the desert, onto Canaan, the, the, the promised land. It was an 11-day journey and it took them 40 years. Why did it take them 40 years? Because of their lack of faith in who God is and their disobedience towards Him, right? And so they actually ended up never entering the promised land. And it took another generation um, to enter into the promised land who would actually believe God. And so here we are, we've got Joshua and this kind of new generation that is, that is now ready to believe God. And we have in chapter 1, the leadership of, of Moses is given to, to Joshua. God speaks to Joshua and says, okay, Joshua, now we're going to go take the promised land. Are you ready? Be, be strong, be courageous, you can do it. And so Joshua rises up, he takes up the leadership position. And like any getting good leader, you know, he pulls everyone together and there, and there they go. And so they get to in front of the Jordan, which is another river just before Canaan, that if you had to cross it, you would have to go a couple hundred kilometers to have to go around. And so again, God's command, commands him, said to him, okay, I'm going to do another miracle. I'm going to part the Red Sea, but here's what you need to do. There's this whole like ceremony that they have to perform. The priests need to take up the Ark of the Covenant which was the sign of the presence of God, right? It had all these different artifacts in them. And then they had to walk into the Jordan, and then the water started parting as they walked into the Jordan. And they were commanded to stand in the middle of the Jordan so that people can pass. Okay, so this is the context building up to right where we are, and we're jumping into Joshua chapter 4. You can follow on the screen. I'm we're going to be looking at the entire chapter, but I'll be focusing on verse 1 to 7 and then the last part, 21 to 22. So when all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Take twelve men from the people, from each tribe a man, and command, saying to them, Take twelve stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest's foot stood firmly, and bring them over, uh, bring them over with you and lay them down in the place where you will lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the 12 men from the people of Israel, whom he had appointed, a man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan and take up each you a stone upon his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel. So this may be a sign among you. When your children ask them in the time to come, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the water of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. Very important, it was cut off before the Lord, the covenant, the ark of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. And so they did what Joshua or God had commanded them. They took out the stones, they moved out. And then the, the priests eventually moved out and the waters closed, right? And then they camped at a place called 
Gilgal, which was just out of sight of the promised land of Canaan. And so we go to jump to verse 21 and it says, And he said to the people of Israel, When your children ask their fathers in the time to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know. Israel passed over the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over. And as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over, so that all the people of the, uh, so that all the people of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, and that you may fear the Lord your God forever. Okay, you get the picture. You start to see kind of what what has happened in the story. It just for a moment, what I like to do with scripture is, it's good that we try to imagine if we were there, right? Just imagine if you were one of the Israelites and you started witnessing this. Maybe you were even Joshua. And so they were commanded, they saw all this, what happened. Some of them grew up in the desert, they saw this happen, and now God is commanding them, take up these stones, and these stones are to be a memorial. What's a memorial? A memorial is a place, it's a monument or a statue of sorts that is erected for people to remember who someone is or, or, or about something, right? And so they are commanded to do this. And the question this morning is why? Why was this so significant and why did they have to do this and so from the scripture this morning there's three things that i want to focus on this morning and uh, it's pre- basically a three-point sermon and we're going to dive into and see how this applies to them but also how it applies to our lives and so we're going to be looking at just three things remember praise and tell and so verse 7 it says so these stones shall be to the people of israel a memorial forever a sign forever of what god has done right so so he's basically saying to them, I want you to remember, right? I want you to remember, but why? Why? Well, because they forget. It's, it's because they forget. And if we read the, the Old Testament, we see that they forget, but it's not that they forget, it's also that we forget. And it's especially through, through difficult times. So I don't know about you, but... There are times that, that I'd find myself in a place where I might be anxious, fearful, or stressed. And, and it's somehow in those moments that, that I lose sight of who God is. And I start to lose sight of what He has done in my life. And, and almost who He is starts to, starts to minimize. And my circumstances seem to be growing like this. And my understanding of who of God is... Even though, you know, there's not no history of who God is, but just in this moment, it feels, it feels very overwhelming, right? You've, you've experienced that before. And so why is it? Why do we lose faith in, that, in those moments? Well, I believe because our circumstances become bigger than God, because we not just lose sight of what He has done, but we fail to really believe who he is all who god is and all you believe him to be is the way that you will live your life every decision that you base your life on is from the basis of your belief of who god is whether he is there or whether he is not in your belief and so god was touching on their very essence of the way that he would be experienced throughout all the ages and generations for generations as he is 
helping them to point back to not only what he has done, which is incredible, but somehow each one of us, I, I remember times in my life where God is, uh, I had a back problem. Uh, I, I wanted to, to play uh, you know, rugby professionally and got an opportunity overseas, got a back injury and never be able to play again. God saved. And the very year I got saved, God healed my back. It was like, duh. It was finished. But then, then there's other moments in my life I seem to completely for, forget it. And also, not only forget it, but, but forget more about who God is. It's like I had the experience, but somehow this experience doesn't even count anymore. Right? And so God is helping them to not only know what he has done, but, but who he is. And we see this theme throughout all the scripture, Romans 8. We see this throughout, through many parts of the scripture. In Deuteronomy 8, rather, and he says to the Israelites, and, and you shall remember the whole way that the Lord had led you through these 40 years in the wilderness. And he says to them, when you enter into the promised land, and then he paints this picture of what you would have. Like it's flowing of milk and honey, it would be rosy and everything. You got the wife that you want, right, that you trusted for. You started the company that you believed for. You started, you know, this thing happened. And he says, stop, remember. Remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gave you the power to gain wealth. Um, that he swore to his father. And so there's all these moments in scripture where God commands the people to put up these kind of memorials. These, um, these signs that point to him. So, the beginning of last year, 2022, we had prayer and fast as we start with every, every year. It's an amazing time of the year. And so, I, I, I wasn't in a good, a good frame of mind. I was going through some challenging things that recently happened. And we were, we were busy praying. And I was still, still praying with a friend of mine, just here outside one morning. And I felt God speak to me and, and he said, I am going to prune you. You're going into a season of pruning. Do not expect a harvest. You know, it's like, it's almost logical. If you're a farmer, you would understand that that's not the time when you expect the fruit in abundance. That's the time when you kind of cut everything down and that doesn't look that nice. And so, you know, I was like, I felt comforted actually in the moment and I thought, yes, Lord, prune for more fruit. That sounds fantastic. What a terrible year. What an incredible, terrible year. Probably one of the toughest I've experienced in a long time. And it's like all, I don't want to say hell broke loose, but it felt like that. Personally, I had such turmoil in my heart. It felt like God was cutting at every impurity and sin and stuff in my life. Like almost exposing it to others and to myself. Um, our business went through a challenging time. The previous year, we we probably had a record year in terms of, of financially and on all fronts. And the, the very next year, God said, I'm going to prune you. That entire year, we did not have one job for the entire year. New work. We retrenched more than 50 people. I was before the Lord saying, God, you know, come on, this, this cannot be pruning. This, this is, this, it cannot be. Um, dealing with these issues in our family, we're experiencing um, challenges with my, my mom and my dad. In that time too, my eldest son, Ruben, sitting here in front, we found out that one of his, in one of his ears, he's completely deaf. And the medical aid only pays, it's a 350 rand 
job to get a cochlear implant, but medical aid doesn't pay, pay it. Only if you've got two disabled or deaf ears that they would pay. And so I'm thinking, okay, you know, can it, can it get worse? Now, my experience of the time was that it was, it was bad, right? Um, and I probably don't need to tell anyone with small kids, just having small kids, like, it's bad enough. You know, don't add anything to, to it, right? I really love my kids, but um, just maybe for a moment, sidetrack. Side I, I believe that if you want to overthrow a government, you don't need a, like, a mili military coup. Send in toddlers. A bunch of toddlers... They'll do the job for you. I guarantee you. Okay, anyway, sorry. So, it was a real tough year. And it, it, it almost felt like I couldn't get out of it. I, I, I couldn't. I, w I would like to tell you, you know, that, you know, that friends and family and people lay their hands on me. And here's a moment where I repented from my, you know, my fear and my heart and my anxiety. But it didn't disappear. And there was one thing throughout the entire year that every time I drew close to God, this is the only thing that I kept on hearing. Remember. Remember. Cloud. And eventually, you know, the stubborn sheep catches on and, and I start remembering. And I start going back to, to and, and, and revisiting what God has done in my life, but also revisiting what he has done throughout the ages. And the more I started doing it, it, it was almost like it's like a, it's like a steady incline. <laughs> Very steady. <laughs> but steady indeed. That I start to just again put my faith in God and see who He is and start to understand and repent from unfaithfulness um, or, or, or repent from not believing in the Him that is faithful and, and He who doesn't change. I, Renee was even convicted to go back to her journals that she had in matric. And she started reading through them. We started talking through the stories. And as we did, eventually our, and our fears and our anxiety started slowly, slowly shifting. And our faith started to be strengthened. And so the more that you and I are reminded about what he has done, the more we are reminded about who he is, Right? And the more we see who he is, the more we can put our faith in who he is. David, we all, we all know that David went through challenging times. And in Psalm 77, David was writing this, almost this, this poem of this very experience of mine, but this very experience of all of us, including the Israelites and God knowing what they would go through. He, he says in verse 1, he says, I cry aloud to God, aloud to God, that he would hear me. In the day of my trouble, I seek the Lord. In the night, my hand is strengthened out. With uh, uh, my hand is stretched out, and I'm weary. My soul refuses to be comforted. When I remember God, I moan. When I meditate, my spirit faints. You hold my eyelids open, meaning I cannot sleep. I'm so worried. I'm so anxious. I'm so troubled that I cannot speak. I I, I don't even understand what I'm going through. I can't even say it. You felt that way? I consider the days of old, the years of long ago, and I said, let me remember my song in the night. Let me meditate in my heart. And then my spirit made a diligent search. Will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favorable? 
Has his steadfast love forever ceased? Are the promises at the end of all time? Has he forgotten? Will he ever be gracious again? And then I said, I will appeal to this, to the year of the right hand of the Most High. Meaning, to the times when God came through for me. <laughs> In the times, not only for me, but for my generations, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. I will remember. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all the work and I will meditate. It sounds so simple. But you don't do it. We do not live lives of living in remembrance of who God is and what he has done. Because so quickly our circumstances overpower us. And God knew that this would be the reality of the Israelites, right? And so when we remember what happens, our hope rises, our faith rises, we gain new perspective. And something else does which leads me to point number two. When you remember, you actually start praising. Thankfulness starts to rise up in your heart, right? When you think about all the things God has done for you, you become more thankful and less anxious and fearful. Um, who of you know that joy is powerful? Joy is one of the most powerful emotions that, that we have, right? Joy is also the fruit, the fruit of the Spirit. But if I look around me, I don't see a lot of joy. Happiness, by the way, is something that you experience in a moment, which we all do. Yay, the Springboks won. We are so happy the very next day, you default back into a place of no joy, into worry, into anxiety, into toil, into fear, into, you know, into not knowing, but not just remembering, but not knowing who this God really is, which directly affects your joy, right? Dr. Marcus Warner, he's a medical, he's a Christian guy, um, neuroscientist and the author of the book, Understanding the Wounded Heart. He explains that the place where you, where you experience joy is in the right-hand side of your brain. Those of you who are right-brained, probably more joyful. Not sure about that, though. That's not, a, that's, just a, that's not real. We need to ask him. But it sits on the right side of your brain, prefrontal cortex. And he explains that you need, he calls it the joy bucket. He said, if you want to experience more joy, you need to learn how to grow your joy bucket. Quite, quite interesting. And, and then they did a bunch of studies. Now, this guy, he's passionate about neuroscience and the Word of God, bringing them together. And they did a study in, a, in like a menstrual institute. And they took uh, patients and they separated them. They went through all the same thing. But the guys on this side, what they had to do every single day for 10 minutes, they had to write down what are they thankful for and who are they thankful for and they need, needed to write a letter to them. And interestingly, after a month, only a month, 50% of those patients, uh, all of the patients, compared to the other, 50% of their mental health increased, were, were improved. Only because of one thing, they thought of what can they be thankful for, <laughs> right? They thought of, and you know, it turns out that the more you are thankful, the more you become joyful. Philippians 4 verse 8 says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, if there is any such excellence, he says, think of these things. Whatever is praiseworthy, think about them. He commands us to think about them. When you become thankful, you become joyful. Have you ever seen a child uh, that is um, a brat that is joyful? 
Uh, have you ever seen an entitled child that is joyful? No, you've never seen it. Have you ever seen an entitled person that is joyful? No, you haven't. Right? And if I look around me, I see a lot of negative people. I see a lot of negativity. I need to look at even in my own. I need to look at my own life, right? I see complaining. I see being negative. God knows that this will destroy his people. Did you get that? You don't think, you don't wake up in the morning to think that if I'm not thankful, this will lead me away from God. No, you don't. God understood the power of them not giving him praise, of them not being reminded, and, he, and them expressing their thankfulness towards God. He knew that it would lead them away. In fact, he felt so strong about it that the, that the generation in the desert never received the promised land because of their complaints. There he goes. Did you get that? They never received what God had promised them because they were ungrateful and moaning and complaining. What does it look like for you? What do you say about your country? What do you say about your husband? What do you say about your wife? What do you say about your family that you don't like? God has got promises for you that you will never receive because you're so complaining. Because you never will walk into it because you won't even see because your eyes are blinded because of your ungratefulness. God has blinded them. That's even blinded it. Because you cannot see who God is because you will not have the faith to enter into it. Right? Some of us, there's so much more for us, but we don't have the faith to enter in because we cannot, we, we are forgetting, we are forgotten, forgetting like it. We've forgotten who God is. In our connect groups, right? How do we start? What are you thankful for? Uh, this is why we do it. What does it look like in your family? What does it look like at work? Oh no, all of a sudden it stops at work. No, 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 let's get to business. Let's not be thankful. Uh, every morning with my, with my staff, this is how we start. Hey guys. What are you thankful for? What, what happened over the weekend? What happened in the past month that you can really be grateful for? I say that to them every Monday morning. <laughs> My children, when we eat every single night, I ask them, hey, what, what did you enjoy today? And what can you be grateful for? And the only reason why I'm doing it, sometimes there's nothing. Most of the time there's nothing. But then <laughs> I'm cultivating faith in God so that they would get to know him that they can live by faith in the same way God was doing this for the Israelites before they even knew this was going to happen and then finally tell Joshua 4 he says to them when your children ask your fathers in the time to come um, you shall tell them what I have done right you shall reveal to them God commanded he, he, he showed this so that they can point and share the testimony. Yep. Where are the stones in your life? Right? I, I'm sure there's massive stones of testimony in your life. Maybe even one of them is the day that you got saved. The ultimate stone. <laughs> so wait, you can't carry it. God is calling them, God is calling us as he called them to point to these stones. You know what happens when we start to tell? is faith arises in their hearts, but also faith arises in your heart. Have you ever talked about God to someone else and shared what he has done? 
or, or share the gospel or tell them about, you know, what God has done in your life and you walked away like, man, my life sucks. N no, you are so reminded of God's goodness and his faithfulness and his power right in your life. Uh, where, I, where I train in the gym, I'm busy reaching out to this guy. I've been trusting to share with him and it, that happened on Monday and somehow we got to the conversation of speaking about religion and he's a Catholic and um, I got to share my testimony with him. Yes, as I was speaking, I was being ministered to. You know those times, even in a connect group, you're sitting, you're speaking to someone else, but man, you're walking away, feeling so pumped up. You can go take the world right now. It's because when we tell, that is what happens. That's why God commands them. And that's why God commands you to not be quiet. It's not a private thing. It happened for everyone to see and so that you can tell about it because your life needs to shout about it, right? And so it's faith that rises in his life, but it's also faith that rises in, in your life. And so the final scripture, um, the band, you guys can come up as I'm concluding. Joshua 4, 24, it says, So that all the people of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, and that it, you may fear the Lord your God forever. The reason why we need to tell, it's not just that they may know, but that that's, that's all the world will know. Because your life would echo into, into the rest of the world. We don't have time for me to unpack that this morning. If, if I just look at our church that we are get, get to be part of, Philly that decided to come here, what ripple effect that has had into the nations and into our lives, the decisions that you'll be making, what ripple effect that is to the praise of, of God alone. And so God knew when he told them to take stones from a river that they crossed through, that this is what he was actually telling them, right? So as I conclude, how do you and I stay faithful? We remember that he is faithful, right? He doesn't change, guys. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And your circumstances does not dictate him. It does not dictate who he is. What God was calling them to do is they put their faith continually into him. When they moved into the promised land, whom of you understand that they just didn't go there with a the lack of party and everyone fleed and they took over and it was all lack of. They went to battle. Your promise will come with a battle. Some, sometimes we think, oh, you know, this is so hard. This is not from God. I don't think so. I think it's because it's from God. And I think we just need to remember who he is. And then we need to live by faith. And so my question to you this morning is, what are the stones in your life? Are you, are you beholding him before you? Are you looking at the things that he has done? And then finally, we need to move from focusing on our circumstances to remember it, right? And, and ultimately what we need to remember is the ultimate sign or the ultimate memorial, which was the cross, which was with Jesus dying on the cross, paying for our sins, right? And so this, this word is not just applied to 
to the Israelites, but it applies to us today to remember, give him praise for it, and to tell. And so maybe just to, we're going to end with a song. It's a beautiful old hymn. It's written in the 19, uh, 1923 by a Methodist teacher, gone minister, pondering about just everyday life and thinking about God's faithfulness. And he, and he wrote this song. But you know how easily, and we say this because we're the, the disciple-making family is like, hey, how does this apply in your life? My question to you is, shucks, how does this apply in your life? So he said this to them. He, he wanted them to do something physical. Hey, what can you do? What, what physical thing can you do to remember? What, what we do is, you know, just simple. We would write down. I would write down some of my prayers. I would write down some of the things that I've been trusting God for. I would write down some of the things that God has done, right? And then I would revisit them. Uh, a family of ours, they literally take stones and they, they would write, this stone was provision 2023. And they've got a place where they, they put it. And when times are tough, they go there and then they talk about it. They pick up the stones and they, they remind each other. I want to remind you today that God is faithful. I want to give you a second action and that is, let's not just leave 2023. Okay, you can go, I'm glad that it's over. You know, let's gear ourselves for the new year. No, 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 no. Why don't you pause? Why don't you reflect? Why don't you take a moment with your family, with yourself, with God? Why don't you sin? Why don't you remember? Whether it is this year or even further. And that will gear you more than anything. And so... When you stand with me, I'm going to end in prayer. And then we're going to sing the song. Um, reflecting on God's faithfulness. You can stand as I pray. Jesus, thank you that you are faithful. You never change. Yesterday, today, and forevermore, you are the same. You never change. God, thank you. And this morning, again, we put our faith in you. This morning, we choose to praise you and say, God, you are faithful. You are true to your word. You are faithful to who you are and you are faithful to your word spoken. And thank you that we can stand on that. And even though the waves may rage, it doesn't compare to who you are. Lord, we repent from allowing circumstances and just the monotonousness of life to interfere with knowing who you are, with putting our faith in you. Uh, there's, there's, I just, just sense that there's some of you who um, it's almost like God is allowing things in your life. Um, it, it's interesting in the Old Testament, we say that God doesn't change, right? So I don't think in the New Testament it's, the, it's, it's different. He speaks to Israel, he says that all this way of the desert, these 40 years, so that I might test you and know what's in your heart. There's a place where I believe God is allowing things, but, but He's doing something greater in you, and He wants you to stand on His faithfulness. He doesn't change. Whatever it, that is that you've been trusting for, God doesn't change. It's not about the outcome, it's about who He is. And that's where you put your faith. And so this morning, Father, that's what we are doing. We're putting our faith in You. We refuse to look at circumstances.
and to believe in you. In Jesus' name, Amen. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassion. They fail now as thou hast been, thou forever will be. Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness. Bye.